You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I'd like to get a video, actually, of the kids saying it's time for junior church, and I think I'd like to put that up every once in a while when we do this, so somebody could get that today. But uh, I'll be in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2, today, and I want to talk a little bit about light. Um, I, wonder how about, I wonder how you feel about the darkness of winter. How many of you like the fact that it gets dark at like 2.30 in the afternoon these days? That kind of stinks, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, light is a very important thing. I was, I was reading a little bit about uh, what's called chronobiology. And, of course, it just talks about uh, the effects of the solar and lunar activity on living beings. And so along with this uh, chronobiology is uh, something that you may be familiar with. It's called seasonal affective disorder. Seasonal affective disorder. Uh, and it is, uh, that's most prominent in places where you have limited sunshine or days without a lot of good sunlight. And I, I don't know about you, I, I laugh because I'm not laughing that I've had this before, that I've suffered, I believe, with seasonal affective disorder. But the thing I never realized was what, if you just put it into an acronym, what it, what it is. Anybody know? SAD. And I just like, I never knew that I've been sad. I was sad, but I never knew that that's how sad it was, seasonal affective disorder. But it affects around 19 and a half million people. Uh, some of the signs of sad, uh, seasonal affective disorder, is agitation, changes in appetite or weight, difficulty in concentrating, feelings of hopelessness and guilt, insomnia, low energy, loss of interest in activities, and thoughts of death or suicide. So we're starting off on a high note today, but I'm just trying to let you know that this is all due to the fact, and it can happen even in the middle of summer, but it's most common in places where there's limited sunlight or where it gets dark early. Uh, So it's a change in sunlight patterns that disrupts the body's internal clock, and that's the, the chrono part of the chronobiology, reducing serotonin levels and triggering depressive symptoms. Moreover, these weather patterns also interfere with the body's production of melatonin, which impacts mood and sleep patterns as well. So I'm thinking about how, how much light affects. If you've ever dealt with this, and it's, it's a serious thing, and it's good to be able to identify this if you're ever just in the middle of winter and you're like, what's wrong with me? Um, it may be sad. It may be seasonal affective disorder. But there's also a thing, I thought I was thinking about light, there's a thing, a strange thing called sick building syndrome, sick building syndrome. And after a while you start wondering, is this stuff being made up? But sick building syndrome, it doesn't mean that a building is, the building is sick. And for the young people, it doesn't mean, man, that building is sick. What it means is if you work in like a dark building or a dark space or even in a dark part of an office, that that also can be, uh, be, actually, you can actually become physically ill. Studies show from working in a dark place too often. Light is very, very important. I thought about in the absence of light. I thought how that in dark uh, places, how that mold and bacteria, there's just so much negative things that can happen in the darkness. Have you ever imagined what this world would look like without light? You know, because really, life is built on sunlight. And without it, our world would become dark 
and dead. Light is necessary for, the, for survival on the earth. As almost all energy used by life is derived from the sun. Plants and algae use light, uh, light energy in photosynthesis, which provides usable chemical energy for heterotropic organisms. In addition, without light, the world would be completely cold and dark as even the moon gets its glowing reflecting from the sun. I think about darkness. You know, darkness often brings with it fear. There's a lot of people, there's a, there's a fairly common thing as a kid. You don't teach kids to be afraid of the dark. But they just naturally can often be afraid of the dark. Uh, but that's not just for children, is it? Uh, you ever get the heebie-jeebies, you know? That's a scientific term as well. When you're walking in the darkness, you know, going up the stairs right after you turn the light off and all of a sudden you're, and you just, uh, just shoot up the stairs. It's just, you don't usually do that too much in the middle of the light. Uh, I remember I heard this preacher friend of mine, he said when he was a little boy, he had, uh, he had walked into town and he's, he's old enough to where it was, it was a good ways back, but he had, he had bought a, a bottle of Coke and, you know, the old actual glass bottles of Coke and he had drank that bottle before, on, on his way home and when he got done with the bottle, he was going to keep it, so he stuck it in the back pocket of his coveralls. And, uh, as, or as, and, and then he, as he was walking, all of a sudden he started hearing, he was just this little boy walking home, and you know, through the woods and everything, and all of a sudden he hears, Ooh. He gets kind of scared, and he, he hears it again, Ooh. Pretty soon he starts running, and then it starts getting worse. And of course, it was just the wind going over the, the back at the, the top of that pop bottle there in the back. But, but, but darkness can often bring fear. Darkness can not only bring fear, but it can bring deception. There's things that look good in the dark, but light exposes it. I eat, uh, I eat fresh fruit pretty much every morning, berries and stuff. I always turn the light on when I'm eating that stuff because it looks good in the light, but if you turn the light on, you might, or in the dark, but if you turn the light on, you might notice there's something growing on there. Gross, right? Trying to discourage you from being too hungry during church. But light shows stuff that darkness hides. There's deceptiveness in darkness. There's fear. There's deceit in darkness. Hey, there's depression in darkness. We've talked about that already. And so, with that in mind, go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2, and I want to read a section here out of the second chapter of Luke. And if you're interested, I'm not going to read this part of the story today, but Luke chapter 2 is the most comprehensive description of the first Christmas. And so I encourage you to read and familiarize yourself with Luke 2. But we're going to pick up in verse number 25 of Luke chapter number 2, where the Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, which is to have him circumcised, this is eight days after the birth of Christ. Verse Number 28, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. So get the picture, there's this old man 
He was going to the temple to worship like he always had. On that same day, Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to the temple to be circumcised. And as they're coming in, God had revealed to this old man that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. That one who had been promised from way back in the Old Testament, from the very beginning. And he sees him and he knows. There's a lot of people there that day. But he knew that this was him. This is the Christ. And the Bible says he took that baby up in his arms. So imagine him. He's actually getting to hold Jesus in his hands. And then it tells us what he goes on to say here. He picked him up and here's what he says in verse number 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I'm sorry, let me go back there. In verse 29, Lord, now let us thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which has been prepared before the face of all people. Listen to this. A light. A light. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy soul also, which is looking ahead to the crucifixion, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. But I, I want to focus in on that very first thing that Simeon revealed to us through the Lord about this child that was born. Here's what he says. He says, a light to lighten the Gentiles. I have seen thy salvation. You know, Christmas is really all about light. I was really thinking about it the other day, and I appreciate uh, my wife and, and Tasha and those that kind of helped organize. Uh, there was a, a group from the church that went over to the Browns Christmas special there in Lamar's, and it was just a great, great time, and I appreciate them organizing that. But I was thinking as I was driving into Lamar's with all the lights and things were all lit up, I was thinking about the darkness of the season. You know, and here again, it was 5 o'clock at night. It was probably a little bit later than that, but it looked like it was 11 o'clock, right? But you know what? It made it a little bit brighter seeing those Christmas lights. It made it just a little bit brighter. I enjoy the lights that you see around Christmas because really, folks, Christmas is all about light. And that's what I want to preach to you today just for a moment on the light of Christmas. Jesus is the ultimate light of Christmas. Man, I love hearing the babies in church. I sure do. And the kids. Uh, but I think about the light. Jesus, folks, He is the light. The Bible says in the Gospel of John, chapter number 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And here's what it says. It says, In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the Bible says that light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. As you go further ahead there in gospel, the, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, He was the light. He came with life. He came with light. See, light and life, as we've alluded to already, are in, just interwoven in such a way to where you can't take them apart. You cannot have life without light. Think about it. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the Bible says the earth was filled with darkness. It was dark. And it was void, dark, 
and empty. But you know what God said? Let there be light. And He brought light into the universe. He brought light into the world. And, and as soon as He did, the, the, the seas which He created began to swarm with light. The seeds of the earth began to bud and to blossom. In natural science, we learn that the whole life chain is built upon sunlight. We learn from a fairly early age the fancy-sounding word photosynthesis. Photo means light. Photosynthesis. Photo means light. Synthesis means this, put together. And what it carries the idea of is the process by which growing things are put together with light. Light causes plants to produce chlorophyll. So the the importance of the life-giving nature of light. Light puts things together. If you were to take the sunlight away from this world, then our world would become cold, dark, and dead. Imagine the world without sun. You can't hardly do it, but it would, be, it, would be, it would be uninhabitable. Without the light of the sun, there's no way there would be anything that could survive without it. And folks, what I want to say is this. This is very much like a person without the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus came into this world to be a light. He came into this world, yes, to be a light to the world, but when it speaks of the world there, He came to be a light to you. He came to bring light into your darkness. He came to bring light into my darkness. And with Jesus Christ, if if, if a person does not know the Lord, I want you to know today that that person has a coldness and a darkness, and they're missing out on a life that only Jesus can give. And people try to find this light in this life in many places. But folks, it is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to see your life put together, it will be put back together with the divine photosynthesis. The light of God shining into your soul. The the, the light of God shining into your life. and, and, And putting things together. And I'm glad that's the way it works. I'm glad God doesn't just sit in heaven and say, hey, you need to get it together, pal. You need to figure this thing out. No, He gives the light and He lights on the inside. He lights our hearts and He enlightens our minds and He begins to take His truth and His Word and His holiness and His Spirit and He begins to put things together that were falling apart because of sin. Oh, my friend, listen. Your world can be put back together with the glorious light of the Son of God when His light shines into your heart. See, when Adam sinned in the garden, the light went out. And when light went out, the life went out. But when we're saved, the Lord comes in, turns on the light, and life begins begins again. And I'm, I'm so glad about that, aren't you? See, this, one of the wonderful things this reveals about the Christian life is we're not up here, and I say this often, but I'm not up here trying to push some religion on somebody today and to get somebody to convert to one religion or some other religion. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about light. I'm talking about something real. I'm talking about a, a, a God who created you. 
I'm talking about a Savior who went to the cross for you, who knows you. The, 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 the hairs of your head are numbered. You, your thoughts, He knows them all. That God, He loves you. He cares about you. And folks, He has a plan for your life. He wants to begin growth in your life. And that's the difference. Because what a lot of religion does is it comes in and says, okay, you want to be accepted in the sight of God, here's what you need to do. Do this, do this, do that, and just check off the boxes of all this performance that we do. But what God does is He comes in and says, I want you to understand something, I've done it all. I've done it all. We've all sinned, we were born into sin, we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. And when we trust Him as our Savior, He begins a work in our hearts and it's growth. And the light that brings us to Him in salvation is the same light that helps us to continue to grow in Him. And that's one of the great things about being a child of God is that we grow. And there's none of us that have arrived yet. There's none of us that are, that are perfect yet. God is patiently, lovingly, and caringly working on each of us. And there's areas to where I may be growing in that maybe you aren't growing in those areas. But I'll tell you this, you're growing in some other areas that I've not grown in. But together, we help each other and we encourage each other. And it's one of the beautiful things about true Christianity and really about the way a church ought to be. A church is not about manufacturing, right? A church isn't going and just stamping out. Some churches are. Here's the way you ought to look at You know, we've got this, we've got this template and it's just bam. Bam, I used, to, I used to work punch presses, you know. We'd do rolls of steel through this machine, and it would just come down and bam, press, bam, and what comes out? The part. Another one, bam, another one just like it. And really, it's just going boom, 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 and just pushing out all these metal parts. Every once in a while, though, you've got to put the calipers on the metal part. Is it measuring up to the finest little speck or not? If not, you either throw it away, uh, you know, or, or, or get it recycled. <laughs> Whatever you may have to do. Um, I'm, I'm laughing, I shouldn't tell stuff, but it comes to mind and then I tell it and it doesn't fit. But when I first started that job, there was this one press that we'd have to operate by hand because a lot of them, you just got them going and they just press, 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 press. And, uh, but but I, I had another one to where there was a punch press that wasn't coming out right, so they modified another machine that I would operate by pedal. So I, but, but, so I would have to put this part under this big press that's coming down that's going to kind of get it measured out right where it needs to be. By the way, none of this is a beautiful process. And that's kind of the point. That's how some religion tries to do. Bam, you got to look like this. Boom, boom, boom. you got to look just like this. you gotta, you got to act just like this. God's got to... Jesus is our measure. Don't misunderstand me. But it's Him that's doing the work. And there's no banging and punching and stuff going on. But I had this machine, and I would actually have to get my hands in the... They would harness up my hands... And my hands were connected to a cable that went over this machine. And so when the press would come down, if I didn't get my hands out of the way, it would jerk my hands out of the way. So you kind of had to be able to operate in rhythm. Boom, boom, boom. Well, that's not the story. The main part of the story is I get real distracted and bored doing this stuff. So it wasn't real uncommon for me to accidentally like mess up these parts and smush them the wrong way or something. Only problem is I was new. I was just a teenager. Boys don't listen. Um, but I messed these up, and you would get in trouble if you messed up too many. Well, I messed up a bunch. So you know what I would do? I'd stuff them in my pocket, and then come break time, I would uh, go take them out to the, the metal dumpster. I'm, I'm just an awful person. And I'd, I'd put them out there in the metal dumpster. 
One time it was so funny, my boss's name was Butch. Uh, and, uh, and man, if, if there was ever a guy that fit that name, it was Butch. But, but my pocket's just bulging out here like this. And I'm walking away and I'm heading back. And he says, hey, Jesse, how's it going? I'm like, oh, pretty good. And he's just kind of looking at my pocket, looking at me. And I'm like, well, you have a good one. And then off to the dumpster I went, throwing those things away. But the point I'm trying to get back to is this. God doesn't work that way. And healthy churches don't work that way. Healthy churches understand God's light is shining in my soul and it's shining in your soul. And God, God gives us His Word to guide us and to lead us. You know, we're not talking about just, you know, opening up to lasciviousness and this modern day idea of grace, but the biblical idea of grace, and that's that God's people grow. God's people grow. You know why we grow? Because we're alive. Things that are alive grow. That's why the church grows. That's why people within the church grow. Because we are alive. And so God's work begins to work in our hearts. But it all begins with salvation. I like what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. It says this, But if our gospel be hid, the gospel is the good news, and the good news is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose again the third day for you. And I just got to emphasize that one more time because of this. Most of my life, I've, as far as I can remember, I'd always believed that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I believed the whole Christmas story, all of it. But there was something different the day when I realized without a doubt that Jesus did it for me. And what I want to say to you today and boldly proclaim to you is that Jesus did it for you as well. Amen, is that wonderful? Why? So that you might receive that gift. But here's what it says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world... And I think that, uh, that may or may not come up here, 2 Corinthians 4, but uh, <laughs> don't get too confused, but, but, but it says, in whom the God, lowercase g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Blinded the minds. You ever, you ever, you ever meet anybody that's been blinded? Well, you just probably look at yourself. Because at some point, all of us are blinded by different things. Whether we think we're good enough or we don't need God or that, whatever it might be. But he says this, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light, there it is, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Then down to verse 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, God's light comes into our lives. Do you remember when that happened to you? Do you remember when, when, when you were in darkness? See, my darkness was not that I didn't believe in God. My darkness wasn't anything like that. Yours may be. But my darkness, my, the way I was blinded, I was blinded just in the fact that I thought I was good enough. I knew I had done some bad, but I thought ultimately I had done enough good. Um, and so ultimately what, I, what I'm thinking I don't really need is Jesus dying and all that business. That was nice that He did that for me, but ultimately I'm good enough. And I believe that one day God's going to take all my good in one side of the scale and all my bad in one side of the scale and, and, uh, and I'm hoping my good outweighs my bad. That's how I was blinded. Because that's not so. That's not the way it works. The way it works is, He says that all of our righteousnesses is as filthy rags. 
You know what he says in, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2? He says, for by grace are you saved, by grace, not your works, but by what Jesus has done, not what you do. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. And what's it going to say after that? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Has anybody ever been turned off by that? People who think they're good enough to get to heaven, whether it's through their church or their good works, they're awfully proud about it. They got their holy sanctified noses up in the air, right? Or if it were to rain, you'd fear they may drown, uh, that they're so pharisaical and have their noses up in the air. that they, they boast, they think, oh, look at all I've done. But no, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's receiving the gift of salvation. But that's what it means. And I love the way Charles Wesley put this. He said this, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. You ever thought how much Christmas is about light? Jesus is the light of the world. We love to sing silent night, holy night. But you know, that song really isn't about the darkness of the night, is it? It's about the light. Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. When we sing, hark the herald angels sing, we say, hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. At Christmas, we sing. Why? Because we have something to sing about. And that's why we don't just sing at Christmas, amen? We sing all year round. And you may not want to hear me sing up here on a solo, but I wanted to let you know something. I'm singing just, just as much, amen? Just not up here, because there's no need for you to have to be subjected to that. But the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And man, God's people, you know, it's kind of strange to a lot of people. You think about it, the way churches sing. You don't do that anywhere else. Why? God's people are singing people. Why? Because we got something to sing about. We've got something to be happy about. And we sing about the light that's come into the world. 700 years before Jesus' birth, the prophet Isaiah looked forward to the time when the Savior would come. And here's what he said. I love this terminology. Isaiah 9 verse 2. 700 years before the birth of Christ. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Or the light has shined. And then the light is the child that he tells us about in the same chapter, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. For unto us, and I want, you, I, want to, I want to teach you something about this. Many of you know it already. Unto us a child is born. That's Bethlehem. Comma. Fast forward 33 years. Unto us a son is given. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Where'd that happen? On the cross. We've got Bethlehem. We've got Calvary. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. But it goes on to say this. Uh, and uh, 
a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I'll tell you something even more interesting, perhaps, is from the, uh, the 33 years semicolon to the end, the government will be on his shoulders. That's a period of a couple thousand years, because it hasn't happened yet. I wonder if anybody in here, I wonder if among your Christmas songs is the song, Joy to the World. Anybody like that song? I love that song. You want to know something interesting about that song? That song was written with Christmas nowhere on that dude's mind. And if you don't believe it, just listen to the words of it. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature sing. But what's it go on to say? He rules the world in truth and grace. He makes the nations prove. In other words, Technically, you could say it's a Christmas song just because it's connected with Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, but the point is simply this. It's about the second coming of Christ. All about the second coming of Christ. And you cannot get away from the second coming of Christ when we are in Christmas celebrating the first coming of Christ because He is coming again. But the, the light, seven centuries after Isaiah penned these words, Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied that the coming of the Messiah would be this. Here's what he says in Luke 1, 78. This is what Zechariah said. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. That's mentioning the sun. The day spring from on high to give light to them that sit in darkness. Isaiah mentioned those that are walking in darkness. God cares about you. Can I say that? God cares about you. God cares about the people that are in darkness. He cares about the people that are in the darkness of despair. He cares about the people that are in the darkness in the pit of sin and can see no light. He cares about every one of you. He came for you. The people that walk in darkness. Here's a mention of those that sit in darkness. And the shadow of death. In other words, there's nothing for them to look forward to but death. But then he says this, He sent a light to guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, during the Jews' week-long Feast of Tabernacles, they would celebrate God's provision in the wilderness for 40 years. Every morning they would have a water ceremony that would remember and recall how God provided water in the desert miraculously. Every night for a week, they would light these huge lampstands, lampstands so big we would not be able to get them in here, filled with oil, and they would light those suckers up, these candelabras, and they would just blaze the entire court of women where all the, the pilgrims and travelers would have been gathered together. And in the middle of all of that, because of what that was to signify, it was to remind them of how that at night, during the 40 years, God would send a, 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 a fiery pillar, a fiery column, just a fire in the sky to warm and protect and guide the people of God. That's what, these, that's what those candles during the Feast of Tabernacles were reminded. And in the midst of that, Jesus stood up and said, I am. He said this many times in John I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Folks, Jesus is the truth that dispels the darkness of falsehood. I mentioned this earlier, but 
Isn't it interesting that in a day where people want... If you do not have absolute truth, you know what you're left with? If you don't have truth, you're left with a fairy tale, are you not? You're left with a fantasy. And that's where the world is at today. People have dismissed the idea of truth and they're left with all this fantasy stuff. See, but... Jesus is the light of truth that dispels the darkness of falsehood. Jesus is the light of wisdom that dispels the darkness of ignorance. Jesus is the light of holiness that dispels the darkness of impurity. Jesus is the light of joy that dispels the darkness of sorrow. Jesus is the light of life that dispels the darkness of death. There's many things to be said about light, and I will not say them all. But I'll say just a couple things. I'll say something about the purity of light. Jesus said, I'm the light. Did you know you can't make light dirty? You can't have dirty light. You can try to interfere with light, but light can shine on something that's nasty, and the light doesn't get nasty. There's hardly anything else in the world that does that. Most things are contaminated when they come into a a contaminant. But Jesus is the pure light. Jesus is able to touch that which is dark and sinful without becoming sinful himself. He's able to touch the lepers and the lepers get his holiness and his righteousness and his health, but Jesus not get their disease. Jesus is the pure light. Jesus is the constant light. You know, it's interesting, Albert Einstein, one of the ways he was able to come up with his theory of relativity, one of the key factors in that was that light is, that light is constant. One thing that's constant in this world is the speed of light. And it was based on the constancy of light that he was able to formulate that theory. Jesus is our constant in the spiritual realm. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, there are seven colors that comprise the spectrum of light. The Bible says that Jesus, of course, is the light of the world. But the spectrum of light with seven colors reminds us of the perfection of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All light is made up of color. Now we may sit here today and say, Steve has on a blue shirt today. But really, Steve, it's not that Steve has on a blue shirt, it's just that the light that's on Steve's shirt is blue. And you say, well, let's turn out the light and see what color it is. It's not that you turn on and off the light and you turn off the light and the shirt's still blue. It's the light that makes the color. Color is in light. You say, what are you talking about? I'm just simply trying to say this. Objects don't have color in and of themselves. The color is, again, the light. And here's all I mean to say by that. I'm telling you, listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're missing out, man. Because the day I got saved by the grace of God, it wasn't long after that, till I'm telling you, it seems like the bird's song sounded a little bit different. And you know what? I don't look at the sky, and I don't look at the stars the same way I used to. I see something more there now. Because I can see His fingerprints, and I can see His handiwork. His light reveals a lot of color and beauty into your life. Isn't it beautiful to know Christ? Isn't it beautiful to be a Christian? Isn't it beautiful to know Him and be growing in Him? (laughs) It's wonderful. And if you don't know Him today, I'm telling you, man, you're missing out, but you don't have to be. You don't have to be. He is the light. He's the victorious light. Hey, would it be possible today to turn on the darkness in this room? You can't, can you? 
And, but, but, if, but if we walked into this room and it was dark, how would you say it's never going to happen with these windows? And you're probably right. But if, we, if it was dark in this room, how do you get rid of the darkness? Do you kind of scrub it out or vacuum it out? or Nope. Turn on the light. And it goes. And now it's hiding under some of these chairs and, you know, in some other places. But darkness just has to go. Why? Because, folks, the light brings victory. See, the Bible says that Jesus Christ came and He revealed, He shows light and He reveals sin. Did you know that Satan's name before he fell was Light Bearer? Light Bearer, Lucifer, that's what that means, Lucifer. But ever since then, ever since Satan has fallen, there's been a battle between darkness and light. And you know what? Some of us, we could get so busy on saying, Oh, this is darkness and this is darkness. Now, you know the way you beat darkness? Light. Just be the light. Reveal the light. Uh, uh, Open the light. And the darkness must flee. So rather than praying so much against the powers of darkness, we must realize the light today. And so this Christmas, as we think about the light of Christmas, I want to encourage you to let Jesus bring His light into your life. Let Jesus uh, perform a, a form of photosynthesis, spiritual photosynthesis. Use His light and His life to put your life back together again. Oh, my friend, listen, the changeless, constant love of God and grace of God that's extended to you and to me today. You could say along with the psalmist, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's all stand, please, and we'll be dismissed in just a moment. The light of Christmas. Well, it's none other than Jesus Christ. And I hope that you'll consider and think more about light. But as you do, think about the truths that the Bible says about Jesus Christ. I want to read one last passage to you. You know, the Bible says that the salvation is a gift of God. I don't talk about that just at Christmas, but I talk about it year-round because that's what it is. Have you received? Somebody says, oh, yeah, I believe in God and blah, 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 blah. That's, that's all well and good. But have you received the gift of salvation? He's purchased a gift for you. Have you received that gift? Here's what the Bible says in John 3. The first verse you'll be very familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. That's important. But that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's a powerful verse. You've got to believe on Him. It says if you believe, if you don't believe, you're condemned already. But you must believe. You must do something. You say, I thought you said it's all done. It is all done, but you must exercise faith in that by receiving Him. And notice what it says here. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. You ever ask yourself why people don't come to Christ? I remember when I first got saved, I mean, I, I, it was such good news. It was so amazing. I tried to tell everybody. Because I just thought, people just don't know. And there's a lot of people that don't know, by the way. A lot of people that don't know. But I thought, all i got to do is tell them. And I would go and I'd tell them this wonderful news. Well, then Mark, they didn't seem to be too interested. Why not? Well, he reveals it to us here. And this is the condemnation, 
that light has come into the world, but listen to this, men loved darkness rather than light, and it tells you why, because their deeds were evil. The problem with people is not the intellect. I wanted to let you know that right now. The problem is with the heart. People can, they, they, since they're in the darkness, they see this sin that they're holding on to as so valuable and so meaningful. But if they would let the light hit that sin, it would show them, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it would show you the chains that you've got on your hands and on your feet from that sin. Because Jesus wants to break you free from those chains. But people choose and opt to stay in those chains. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Barb's going to play, and I just want to ask right before I pray and dismiss in just a moment, if you're here today... And maybe you believe just like I believed. You know, I mean, I, I believed. But when I realized that Jesus died for me, why he came, I realized that it was more than just saying, oh, yeah, sure, I believe. It was me trusting. It was me saying, Jesus, you did this because there's no other way for me to be saved. But you love me enough to do it. And so I can remember the moment back 30 years ago when I put my faith and trust in Christ and I realized... And from my heart, I didn't say these exact words, but the Bible says with the heart. See, you believe up here, and that's good. But so does the devils. So does Satan believe up here. Because he says with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession of salvation. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so from my heart, I prayed something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner. But I believe that you are the Son of God who came to die on the cross, virgin born, died on the cross, rose again the third day to pay the penalty of my sins. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and my life today and be my Lord and Savior. I choose you. I turn to you today. And I want to tell you, I have never been the same since. And I want to encourage you today, if you've not yet done that, if, you, if there's not a moment in your life that you've called on the Lord, don't have to be those exact words, but if there's not a moment in your life where you've humbled yourself and said, Jesus, I trust you and I trust you alone, would you please do that today? Please don't leave today till you make sure you've done that. Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for your faithfulness. I'm glad for the light that you bring into my life. Lord, we have so much darkness in this world that we contend with on a regular basis. There's a lot that you say to us in the word of God about us as your people in the light. You said to put on the armor of light. We, we have armor, and it's the armor of light. Help us to put on that armor, Lord. Help us to hold forth the word of life and the word of light. Help us to be the light that you've shined us to, called us to, be, to shine as. But I pray if there's anybody not saved, that, that that'll be different. That'll change right now, but they'll call on you and be saved. Thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Hey, don't forget we are going to have just a small reception for those.